Hello and welcome everyone to Hunting Pixels, the official video game podcast of Culture Bop. I am your host, Justin Ruiz, a.k.a. Skyrise Excellence. I know, I say this every time, I know, you were expecting everyone else. You were expecting the other guy, the other guys, all these other people. But this is a different episode. This is going to be something a little bit different. This time we're going to do a dive into the boys of the bop and explore really what makes them tick genre-wise, right? TV, movies, dare I say anime. But all of these things we're going to find out and get to understand for the listeners who these guys are. Why are we why are we so interested in culture bop and why are we interested in uh, in these dudes? So that's a good question. It is a good question. I think the better question is why are you interrupting me? <laughs> this is what I do. Yeah, it's, I it's they call it a conversation. So do they? I mean, they something Parliament would call it that. So, our first episode is going to be the the bop, the main bop, Josh Bebop Man McMullen. We're going to be doing a little tete-a-tete, hosted by yours truly. Josh, I think the first question on everyone's mind, how you doing? basically become my personality over the last two weeks. <laughs> I have a follow-up question to that. There's an end uh, to Elden Ring? <laughs> right, right. It's, uh, it's insane. This is, a, this is the longest um, Souls game I've ever, like, stuck... Or I, I should rephrase it. This is the longest I've ever stuck with a Souls game before. Um, most of the time, I'll put probably, like... Uh, like 20 or 30 hours in and then I'll I'll either give up or I'll just like decide like completely like uh, this is not what I want to do with my life sort of thing and uh, this has really just kind of um, I don't know grabbed a hold of my uh, I don't want to say imagination but it's grabbed my attention uh, like no other Souls game has huh. uh, except for maybe Bloodborne yeah, I, so, as anybody knows, I am not a Souls person, but I love speedruns, so watching, like, a Bloodborne or a Dark Souls or um, a Sekiro speedrun is always really cool, but um, I was a really big fan of Bloodborne. I really, really liked Bloodborne. Yeah, Bloodborne's excellent. Uh, I think Bloodborne is my... Um, just it speaks to me in a in uh, a way that like even Elden Ring does not. Yeah, you really connect with all the Victorian architecture and garb. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Has nothing to do with the you know horror elements at all. 
Right, right, yeah. The <laughs> the the otherworldly monsters and all that. I will say the one thing that they're fantastic at is monster design. Like enemy design from from software is uncanny. But we're not here to yeah, talk it's about that. Really we're not here to talk about that. Well, maybe. Maybe there's parts of it. But like I said, this episode is designed to understand what aspects of movies and gaming that you like so that our our dear listeners can understand, you know, where you're coming from, how to better align with your thoughts and and really get to understand and know why you you like the games and movies and TV and media that you like. True. So let's let's start this off. Let's kick this off. And I want to kick it off on the media side because I I know you always bring up on the show you'll always start with what you watched right you'll you know the conversation will you know die down from all of the grotesque shit that you guys talk about and then you'll kick in and say i watched something this past week and movies tv and movies i think movies specifically definitely have a have been a passion of yours for quite some time. It's something that if you follow Josh and the various discords that he is that he's in, he's definitely a movie guy and he leans more towards the horror genre. So really, I think the first question here is what propelled you into cinema and and television, right? How how did you get your start with this medium and what really what what attracted you to all of this? <clears throat> well, uh, I mean, growing up, I feel like, uh, and this is not to like besmirch my or besmirch my my parents or or anything like that, but I I kind of feel like um, movies and TV were used as like a uh, like a almost like a babysitter, um, and so like I grew up just. That, that's what I did. If I were, like, bored or, you know, they needed me to, like, stay calm or, or anything like that, it was, t- it was TV. They would just, you know, put on the TV and uh, I would watch, you know, whatever was on at the time. And um, and it just became, I guess, sort of my, my outlet of, I don't want to say creativity, but it became where... Uh, like if I needed to get away from something, you know, whether it be like some sort of like mental state that I was in, you know, if I was in a funk or, or, or what have you, um, I would just, I would turn to television and movies and that's just kind of, you know, what I did. And uh, it really, <clears throat> I think became much more ingrained in, in my, um, I, I don't want to say subconscious, but like it became like a uh, even bigger part of me when um, high school hit, and I, I don't know exactly what it was, but uh, there was just something in me where like I found certain movies to have like you know boring endings or you know stuff stuff like that that just I was like, what is what is this? Um, and, uh, I would do stuff like write my own endings to those movies or storyboard things out that I thought would, like, look 
or uh, you know play out better and uh, that's when it really kind of I, I guess took hold that like this this is what I like this is what I want to like do sort of thing so what was your alternate ending to the matrix uh, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily that but um, you know I, I love the ending to the matrix I mean we could we could probably talk about that trilogy uh, in, in forever uh, yeah <laughs> I, I really think that that trilogy is just uh, is awesome and I know that people are like oh, the matrix is the only good one I totally disagree I actually think that um, the latest one the is the best one? yeah oh, uh, is it Revelations or uh, Re- Reloaded? Whichever one. Reloaded. Yeah, the second one. I think the second one is so, so good. It gets into so many, like, awesome philosophical questions. And, like, I, I don't know. I am a big fan of that second uh, movie. But. So you, you took the time to sort of write out and, and get creative with a lot of these things. But you're you're... You're well knowledged in film, right? You understand a lot of the things that I think a lot of lay people would just not know about, right? They hear about editing, they hear about sound design, and they think like, okay, I guess you know, Prometheus had good sound design. That's what I'm told to say. But what? How did you really sort of understand and get to learn about all of this, and 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 really ingrain it into your into the way that you analyze and study movies? Uh, well, I mean, part of it was just from watching a ton of movies, right? Like, I I have probably... I, I looked at my letterbox the other day, and I know that I haven't put everything on there that I've ever seen. Uh, but my letterbox has uh, 760-something movies that I've seen, uh, you know, that I've put in the list. And I know that I've seen more than that. Um, it just, I think a lot of it came from that. Uh, and then other parts of it were that, uh, like I've just, I've kind of studied it from like watching, um, well, I, I took some classes in college, so that, that's one thing. Uh, but, um, I used to collect, uh, and I, I want to start collecting again, like DVDs and Blu-rays. And one of my favorite things in the entire world was to, like, turn on the special features. And I would listen to the commentaries, or I would listen to, uh, or maybe not listen to, but, like, watch the, the sort of, like, making of featurettes and stuff like that. And that stuff always sort of, like, showed me how things come out from, like, actual... Uh, how do I want to describe it? Uh, like reality, I guess <clears throat> to what the intent was. So like you would see a, uh, a making of featurette where they're talking about, and I used this angle for this specific reason. And like before then I would just be, I, I used to think that like cool shots were good cinematography, right? Like I would think, oh my god, that's a shot that I've never seen in a movie before, and I'd be like, that's like the best cinematography I've seen all year. Uh, and then, when I started like listening to that stuff and watching those things, and especially after I took uh, some of my 
college film classes on that sort of stuff, I was like, that's not what that is. Like, that's not even close to what good cinematography is or, like, good, you know, what good editing is or anything like that. Um, and then it, I think it was, like, probably 2005, 2006. For whatever reason, um, I, I kind of became cognizant of what exactly it was that the Oscars were. And I started paying attention to quote-unquote good movies. And that really, uh, really, like, added to my, my education. You weren't just following, yeah, you weren't just following, like, what was popular. You were following what was considered the best of the best. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we <laughs> we can talk about whether or not that's actually true or not, but, yeah, that's, that's where parts of it came from, for sure. Cool. Well... There's we've been talking about a lot of just movies, but you seem to watch a lot and comment a lot on horror. Now, I'm a little scaredy cat. I can't. I I still. I will to this day get chills down my spine when I watch the last ten minutes of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and that's my extent of a horror movie. But what gravitated you? to horror uh you know i if i'm being honest i'm i'm not really sure uh what it was that initially like did it for me i just know that growing up like my uh my dad watched a ton of horror movies and so it was like one of the things that we that we did um, <clears throat> not only like a, a me and him thing but like as a family uh we like we just watched a ton of yeah gather gather around the television put on poltergeist it's fun for the whole family (laughs) yeah right um but uh yeah when it comes down to uh i guess like my uh like why i like the genre so much um i i think it became a sort of outlet for me to and, and I, I kind of think that this is the way that most people feel about it, if I'm being really honest, uh, is I, I kind of think that it became an outlet for me to express my own, or maybe not express, but to kind of psychologically go into my own doubts and fears and stuff like that. Um, I, I really tend to think that a lot of what makes horror such a fascinating genre for me is when you look at like themes that play out across decades, uh, as opposed to necessarily, uh, individual films, like the entire fifties era of horror is dominated by monster movies. And when you really think about like what was going on, they had just gotten out of world war two, where we used the atom bomb and there was fear of the, you know, the cold war was starting and there was fear of nuclear, pretty much everything and that kind of made its way into you know these nuclear monsters or these monsters were created by nuclear whatever or uh in the case of like the blob or what have you it's um you know scientists created this thing or or it came from outer space like there was a bunch of fear surrounding like 
I don't want to say technology because that's not right, but like science and and the stuff that comes with science. And you look at what was made in the fifties, and it's all monster movies. Uh, and I just uh, I, I think that when you you can look at things on a societal level and see that like horror speaks to a bunch of different peoples about the societies or, or not society, sorry, but about the things that that they fear as a as a culture. I guess that makes a lot of sense about like Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. We're scared of women and nuclear war. <laughs> and things bigger than us. And things bigger than us, yeah. <laughs> so, some would really describe movies and TV today to be at opposite sides of the spectrum, right? You know, some television seems to fit the big screen, while some movies feel like they fly under the radar. And for somebody like you that watches a ton of movies, they watch a ton of television it can sort of like be difficult to get excited for one amidst all of this competition, right? It's hard It's hard to watch all of this stuff. It's hard to really consume all this stuff. In fact, we, we watched the latest episode of Servant last night, and while I think that show is good, it's starting to, you know, wane a little bit. But... Again, it's keeping our attention amidst so many different shows. So what excites you about a new movie? Like, what aspects are you looking for when you see something new come out on the horizon? Whether it's, whether it's a movie or television. You know, what, what are you doing to research whether or not you're, you're going to sit there and say, this is something that I'll, I'll go for versus, you know, this, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for another day on a, on a different uh, project. Uh, to be honest with you, most of the time it's originality. If it looks like something I've never seen before, uh, I'm probably in. Um, but also I really, I've gotten to the point where I know people that I like in terms of, you know, actors and directors and writers. And so what really will get me like super ultra excited about something is knowing that they are attached to that thing. Um, for instance, uh, I have said, uh, pretty, I, I've been pretty vocal about my, um, uh, I don't want to say dislike, but my general ambivalence towards, um, the Marvel movies, uh, that have come out recently with the exception of Spider-Man because I, I love Spider-Man. Um, and um, I am just not interested in most of what's going on with that. So to hear me say something like, I'm excited for Doctor Strange in the Math of Madness it has to come from somewhere, right? And uh, it's from the fact that I love Sam Raimi. Uh, he doesn't always make the absolute best movies that have ever been made, but none of his movies with the exception of probably, uh, what was the name of the wizard of Oz prequel that he did for Disney? Um, Oh God, I'm blanking on the name, but with the exception of that, I, I wouldn't say that any of his movies are, are boring. I, I, I think that Sam Raimi is a very, 
uh, interesting filmmaker. He he makes stuff that is very, uh, again, it's it's not boring. It's it, most of the time very exciting and very um, uh, watchable. <laughs> I believe I believe the movie you're referencing is Oz the Great and Powerful. That that's the one. Yeah, uh, that movie is not very good. <laughs> wow. This is, listen to this cast. James Franco, Mila Kunis, Rachel Weiss, Michelle Williams, Zach Braff. I mean, how did this thing, how could this thing lose? I know, right? How how did it go so wrong? It was just, it's just boring. (laughs) It's just a boring movie. Uh, But, uh, yeah, yeah, that, I mean, to answer your question, that, that is basically what it is, you know. If it's a, a movie in a genre that I, I know I like that genre and it looks like it's new and not just a re- like I and okay I feel like I'm I'm bashing stuff like the MCU right now I'm not I I, I find a lot of those movies to be very okay too good and a few to be even great or excellent. Um, I don't think, with the exception of maybe, like, for The Dark World and Iron Man 2, uh, I don't think that there are a lot of what I would call bad movies in um, uh, in the MCU. Uh, there are a lot of boring movies and a lot of uh, just um, mediocre ones, but... I don't think that there are any like outright bad ones. If that makes yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. It's there. Well, I think one of the other things too with that is there are so many of them at this point, yes. so that you you're the, the comparison is is so hard to make because there there are three a year <laughs> at this point. So it, it's hard to get excited for something unless there's a real, like, again, you said Doctor Strange coming out um, without that kind of newness or freshness to it. It really, it can seem samey a little bit. It can seem very samey, but it's still something that I me mean, personally, I get excited for those movies, but um you know, if, if somebody would, were to say that I have fatigue with it, I could totally understand. So, with that yeah. in mind, with that in mind, what are your what are your thoughts on franchises in general? Because there are many other franchises out there. There's James Bond. There's the DC um, extended universe. There's the Harry Potter stuff. You, you know, there's there are these um, myriad of movies that are attached to popular franchises or licenses. Is that something that do, do you discount those projects before you go into them, knowing that there's the franchise attached, or do you give it sort of a, an honest, fair, um, fair pass before going in? What are your overall thoughts on franchises? Uh, I, I try my absolute hardest to not judge movies before I've seen them. Because I, I don't think that that's fair to the filmmakers that put time and effort into making those movies. Uh, like, I think it would be an absolute, uh, I don't want to say travesty, but 
an absolute like bullshit answer for anyone to say I don't like this and they haven't even seen it. Like that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, I understand maybe the the sentiment behind that. Like some people, they know what they like, and if they know that they don't like this one particular thing, then why would they go see it? And uh, and they might opt, go ahead and opt to call it you know bad or whatever. I get the idea. But to me, that's such a cop-out uh, because it doesn't let you go in and take a movie on its own merits. Like, for instance, uh, I don't think that uh, an MCU movie has been as good in a very long time as, as uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I think that's the best thing that they've done in a while. But if I were to go into, like, The Eternals, I don't have an opinion on The Eternals because I haven't seen it. And that's what I tell people when they ask me. I'm like, I haven't seen that movie, so I can't give you an opinion. And it would be almost rude of me to do so. Um, I can tell you that I don't think that I would like The Eternals very much just based on the other things that have come out in the MCU since... Uh, you know, again, since before Spider-Man, but, um, uh, I got lost in well, my own thoughts there. For a well, as someone who saw the Eternals, I would say it may have been better suited as like a four part miniseries on Disney plus, but that's something, that's something Tani and I have discussed in the past and nice little, nice little, Reference to our friend over in Clogland. Clogland, yeah. Yeah. Sweden, right? <clears throat> Finnmark, I think. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. One of my coworkers is Swedish, and he was trying to translate something. He speaks incredible English, better than us. And uh, he was. He said, "Like, yeah, you know, I'll have to take a look at this, and you know, maybe translate some of the Swinglish." I was like, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, you know, Swedish English, like Swinglish. And I was like, well, I've heard of like, I was like, I've heard of Spanglish before, but Swinglish is now my new favorite word and also the name of my new indie band that'll be playing, that'll be playing at Brooklyn Bowl. Um, So we've, we've talked a lot about movies. I just, I, the last thing I want to ask though because it's always good to just ponder what's next, but what what trends would you like to see occur or evolve in the film industry, and what what things would you want to stay? What what aspects would you want to continue on, or or if there are things that you would like to see essentially fade away? What what how would you think about the future of the movie industry? Uh, so one thing that I've noticed recently uh, that I would I would really like to go the fuck away is excessively long run times. Uh, I have absolutely nothing against a movie with a good long run time. It does not bother me at all. I remember very distinctly sitting through all three hours of um, uh, Zodiac 
God, I forgot the movie for a second. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and uh, it remains to this day my probably my favorite David Fincher movie. Um, huh. I, I mean, it's it's excellent. No, I take that back. I, I take that back. My favorite David Fincher, uh, Fincher movie is definitely um, uh, The Social Network. Forgot the name of it for a second. But Zodiac's probably my second favorite. Um, anyway, uh, to get to the point is like every movie, it seems like now is two hours and they almost or, or longer and they're almost always overly long. And I think that you need to make a movie uh, as long as the story needs, you know, you, it, that's how long it needs to be uh, for the story to get told properly. But I feel like a lot of movies now are long just for the sake of being long. And I absolutely despise that because I, my time is valuable and I don't want to sit in a two and a half hour movie that could have been two hours or a two hour movie that could have been 90 minutes. Like it, it just it annoys me when I see a movie is that long. Uh, and it, and it doesn't need to be. As someone who just saw the Batman, that is a long movie. And thank God I did not get a drink before that movie because I would have had to have gone to the bathroom and I would have yeah. missed parts. And I know that's like the most cheesiest answer to say is like, I, I probably I would have had to take a pee in the middle of the movie. I would have ruined my whole, I would have missed all the parts with the Batman. Um, yeah, no, I agree. That's, that's. That is a big aspect. Are, are there any other things that you could think of off the top of your head, or uh, if not, yeah, I want to yeah. shift into the into the meat and potatoes here. Yeah, no, I've got a I've got a couple more that I would really like to see. Uh, one of them is I, I really would like to see a change in attitudes towards genre films, um, and and I I don't mean necessarily particularly from audiences because I think. Uh, horror and sci-fi movies they find their audiences and those audiences are diehard and those audiences will Nerds. You know, stick stick with uh, with those things for a very long time right Nerds. But, yeah yeah nerds uh, but I do wish that studio execs would be more willing to do stuff like maybe what Jason Blum is doing where they put in, you know, a million, two million, three million dollars into a horror movie, and they make back a ton of money from from doing that. Like, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but um, uh, uh, it was uh, ha- Halloween twenty eighteen was had a budget of I think like one to two million dollars and made back you know 50 or 60 million like i mean it was a it was a small small movie in comparison to uh like what we get from a lot of other like i don't want to say genre but like um like franchises there we go that's that's the that's the word but i I think it was uh i think i actually misspoke i think it was only 10 million instead of like one to two million Anyway, the point is, is like ten million, and they made back like six times that much, seven times that much. Like it was a huge success. Uh, 
And I would like to see producers take chances on films like uh, Annihilation or, uh, you know, It Follows or Censor. Uh, you know, Censor's my favorite movie of last year. And I, I, I wish that studios, not these indie, like, A24-type uh, production companies and, and distribution companies, like actual like Warner Brothers or Universal or, or whatever would take um, chances on these small ho- horror or sci-fi or uh, I mean what's a, what's another genre that's you know underutilized um, I don't know uh, but like take take risks don't think that everything has to be a uh, a franchise like Halloween for instance like I, I genuinely like that that 2018 movie but what if that was uh, maybe not Halloween would it maybe have done better I'm, I'm I don't know I don't know the answer to that I think probably not because Halloween has a uh, you know following to it but at the same time like take take 10 million dollars and make me a small little horror movie and, um, you know, get back three or four times that much because it doesn't take a lot for a movie to make 30 or 40 million anymore. It takes a lot for it to make 500 million. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. These small projects that, that should see or, or get more awareness and attention, that can be real hits. That can be absolutely real hits. Um, yeah, like Dune. Like Dune. <laughs> uh, so, thank you for that, Josh. I know movies are near and dear to you. Movie at, movies and television are, are near and dear to you. So I wanted to make sure everybody understood where you're coming from on that. But now, it's time to get into the real, the real fun stuff. Yeah, the stuff that people care about. <laughs> Video games. Like the sh- like, like the song from Gunship. This is more than a video game. Oh, you like Gunship, do you? I do, yeah. Gunship's Should I? Yeah, oh, dude's really good. Um, you've been playing games for quite some time now, and you've been... You, you have a show that is dedicated to talking in depth and at length about certain titles, old and new, with friends of yours, and you you jump into these and you really get to to understand and, and talk about why you like these certain games outside of Pokemon games. Yes. When when did you start developing a love for gaming and, and what prompted you to start talking about it more in depth? Um so uh Really, gaming came to me at a, a relatively young age, the same way that movies did. Um, I got a Sega Genesis when I was uh, probably, I don't know, like five or six, maybe. Um, and I, I played the hell out of that thing uh, as a kid. And it just, uh, you know, it started off with titles like, um, like I think I, there I need to try to find like a uh, if if I can find a ROM of this somewhere. I would love to go back and play it because my 
my Genesis is old and I think busted and probably at my parents' house. Maybe somewhere. it's at an Exodus. Please, please stop. Uh, um but uh but there was a looney tunes game that i i distinctly remember like just loving i i thought it was like so much fun to play um and uh yeah so um there was stuff like that and then there was like uh other things that i was interested in like uh there was an x-men game um there were uh wrestling games obviously you know Everyone loves wrestling games. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it came to me at a, at a relatively young age, and, like, I was uh, just kind of smitten by what, really kind of what you could do. Like, I, I love movies for the sort of, um, I, I okay, so really where the two come together, right, is I love storytelling. Like, I, I love stories, I love storytelling, that sort of thing. And although a lot of the stuff that I was playing in those early days of my of my gaming sort of like, uh, I don't want to say history, but like my, my sort of like gaming knowledge or whatever, um, were licensed games that I kind of already knew the stories to, there were just as many games that I felt like were telling their own sort of unique stories. Um, and I, I really kind of latched onto that pretty hard. Um, and then when the PlayStation came out, because uh, I, I think the PlayStation was technically the next generation, uh, I got a PlayStation and it just, like, I was playing games like Final Fantasy and uh, Metal Gear Solid and Parasite Eve and Resident Evil and, like, these games that were just they were telling adult stories and I was starting to get into that age where I was like a preteen and I was starting to want those sort of adult stories and stuff like that and uh, it really just kind of the PlayStation I, I really think kind of just transformed how I saw gaming to a certain extent, because up till that point, it's, you know, Mario and Sonic and earthworm Jim, you know, but <laughs> yeah, the three, the, yeah. the Holy Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, once I played, you know, final fantasy seven or once I played metal gear solid, I was like, this is different. This is kind of something that I I like for completely different reasons from movies, um, and uh, as far as like wanting to talk about them, I here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm sure I've said this on Hunting Pixels before. I'm sure that I'll probably say it again. I really. Um, got into podcasts as a medium um, because I wanted to uh, talk about the stuff that I loved. Um, and really specifically, I wanted to talk about movies and, um, and TV because that's where, like, that's, you know, where everything lies for me. Um, but, 
those are a dime a dozen. Video game podcasts are also a dime a dozen. But I knew people that liked video games and could talk specifically about video games uh, more so than movies. And I thought that a unique way to bridge the two would be to talk about the both of them in the same podcast. Keep it video game related because that's where everyone's kind of like, uh, for lack of a better term, expertise is. But still be able to talk about, you know, the things that like I know a lot about and stuff like that. Um, yeah, bring bring stuff that you wouldn't normally bring to light into the spotlight. Exactly. Um, and, uh, another thing that like, um, I, I, I think has, uh, maybe, maybe wasn't in my head when I thought about like starting the show, but definitely has like come forth now is I definitely feel like, um, it's allowed me to explore, the ins and outs of video games a lot more than I probably would have, uh, you know, uh, like maybe just pondering it alone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Because it, it really has allowed me to look at video games and, and see like, okay, so this is how development works. And because I already knew that stuff about movies, you know, I, I knew that, movies were um their own like for lack of a better term thing and and how those things worked you know uh but i didn't necessarily know a lot of stuff about video games other than what i had read from you know stuff like ign or or um uh GameSpot or you know back in the day with shit like game informer or or um uh, what was the name of that magazine? I, there was EGM? One magazine. No, it wasn't EGM, but uh, GamePro. That was my magazine of sort uh, of of uh, choice back in the day. I really loved GamePro. Um, but yeah, reading stuff like uh, from from those magazines or from IGN and stuff like that kind of gave me a little bit of a taste about that. But actually having to explore video games for the podcast has really opened me up to learning even more than I already knew. I mean, I I learned so much about all those different monsters that you can catch and force to fight other people's monsters in what looks like a dogfighting ring. Um, (laughs) That's what Pokemon is. It basically is. I mean, it's, it's like we should just apologize to Michael Vick. Tell him he was ahead of his time. You know. <laughs> That's terrible. It, it uh, no, yeah, he is terrible. Um So that no, that's great. That's awesome information. We spoke about horror as being one of your top genres for movies, but what about games? Do you find horror games to be more appealing? Do you do you delve into that genre more more than maybe some others? What are your thoughts? Uh I like horror games, but it if I'm being honest, it's one of the genres that I actually think that I've got the least kind of uh, experience with um, because there really aren't – well, not, not until recently. There really weren't, I feel like, a lot of good horror games. I felt like there were a lot of like 
Resident Evil and Silent Hill clones. Um, and th- I guess that's not to say that those games are bad necessarily. Like I like the uh, the Clock Tower series. I think those games are are cool. Um, but it, it, horror didn't find its I itself in video games. I think until probably sometime in the last ten years. Um, maybe, maybe 15 actually. Really? Yeah. Uh, cause, uh, again, like I said, uh, during the PS one and PS two games, I, I kind of feel like everything was literally just a, this is resident evil or this is silent hill. And that's it. Like that's, that's what we're doing here. Um, All right. So, so travel with me here and, okay. and just, just let me let me say this. Elements of Super Metroid are horrifying. I remember playing that game and being like, the music in this game alone, some of it is just horrifying. And then some of the just set pieces and everything. Uh, I think they did a really good job horror-wise with a game like that. But I think you're also right. I think... You know, Resident Evil came out, and those dogs jumping through the window, you know, probably caused way more urine than people expect. But people definitely chase that, and I think to your to your point, I think there's a lot of there are a lot of uh, developers chasing the the PT model of oh yeah that that sure. so. But continue, please. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, you actually bring up, I I think, a a really great point. I think that horror games have, uh, really, in the last couple years, started chasing, uh, different trends, but still doing the same thing. You know, we're, we're still talking about PT, what, six years later? Um, and I think, for good reason, PT is awesome. It's one of those... Uh, like incredible in the zeitgeist type moments. Uh, it, it accomplished everything it set out to do. It, yeah. it 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 got people talking about something that was anticipated. It got people engaged. It it is still it is one of the most lasting things. And it was free, and you can't find it ever. You can't find it ever again unless you have a PS4. Like that's how yeah. crazy P- PT is. Yeah, uh, I and I think that that's um, like a uh, testament. I, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I couldn't find the word, but yeah, it's it's a total testament to like the power of not only that game, but I, I think video games in general. Yeah. Um, because I, I mean, think think about like what we were talking about in the '90s, and it was uh, like. Uh, for, I mean, lack of a better term, it was it was shit like TV shows. You know what I mean? Like there there were, you know, what's happening this week on Seinfeld or or maybe not Seinfeld. That's a bad example. But like what's happening this week on Cheers or what's happening with uh, you know, when when we got into the two thousands, it was like The Sopranos. You know what I mean? Like there were these water cooler moments. But like now you look at shit like comic-con and it's uh, i don't want to say it's dominated by games because that's just not true but like comic-con has i know it's dominated by games than than 
movies and TV at this point. You know what I mean? It's dominated by anime now, and it's oh, ruining everything. It really is. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. I mean, that when you go to booths at Comic Con, I mean, we, I, a friend of mine, and I went this past the the one that was that just passed um, in 2011 or uh, sorry 2021. And they had entire tournament booths set up for Smash Brothers. They had a yeah. giant big screen set up for Dragon Ball Z Fighters, which I guess is anime, but it's also a game, so I'll count it. But, you know, they had stuff set up for that, which is awesome. Yeah, and, and like, again, like 20 years ago, you probably aren't seeing that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what were we talking about? I feel like I got sidetracked. Genres. Oh, genres yeah, yeah, yeah. but are um, there any other so so now that we understand sort of what your take on on the horror genre for games is are there any particular genres that appeal to you more or are less appealing to you uh so i am a big sucker for rpgs uh i don't get to play them nearly as much as i used to because time constraints um but i still like will try at least once a year to complete some sort of RPG, uh, whether it be, you know, uh, I actually maybe didn't complete one last year. Bravely oh, Default? Uh, well, I played it, but I never completed it. I, You're I, not messing with much. <laughs> I actually need to go back and, and play it. I, I really like that game. Um... But, uh, yeah, I, I'm a big sucker for RPGs. Um, I really like, as much as I hate to say it, I like the Sony games. Um, you know, we got into an, a discussion. I don't want to say argument, but we got into a discussion about this the other day with, uh, with regards to Sony making the same games over and over again. Um, but I like those Sony games. I like the third-person action-adventure games. Uncharted is one of my favorite series. Uh, you know, I really liked, uh, it's more RPG than, than, um, uh, action adventure, but, uh, I enjoy the hell out of, uh, the horizon games. Um, you know, I just started, uh, playing Elden Ring and that's a third person sort of action RPG. Um, not necessarily over the shoulder, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, those, those two in particular stand out to me. I've really gained an affinity for adventure games in the last probably five to 10 years. Uh, like I, I'm a gigantic fan of the Danganronpa games. I think those games are really, really cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's nothing that I really stray away from, I guess. Uh, I, I used to be really into the Madden games. Uh, I, I even dabbled in FIFA and some of the, um, uh, like NBA games. Uh, but that I, I really don't do as much, um, I guess anymore. Um, and, uh, I, I'm not too keen on racing games unless it's Forza Horizon. Um, just because I think that that's the best that those games have to offer um it is a yeah yeah, those are those are good games yeah it's you know it it is funny that you say 
um, RPGs are, are such a time constraint and, and they chew up so much time, but there's something to getting lost in those worlds and, and really sort of unraveling everything about them. And, and there's, I do miss the days of, of exploring every corner of like final fantasy six or something like that. But, um, yeah, I feel I feel you there. I really do. <clears throat> and it's funny because I was just looking something up because I thought that the Danganronpa games were the same as the Zero Escape games, which I always thought had uh, one of the best names in video games, or two of the best names in video games, one being Virtue's Last Reward and the other one being Zero Time Dilemma. Yeah, Zero Time Dilemma is such a cool title. <laughs> it's great. It, I don't even know what it means, but it's so cool. Um, <clears throat> now that we've understood sort of genres and developers, and you, you named a couple of um, you named a couple of studios and 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 I guess big brands that you enjoy games from, but there are there any favorite developers or favorite developer? that you might have anybody that, you know, when they put something out, you, you typically get excited for, or you, you gravitate towards those games more. Uh, I, I hate, I really do hate saying this considering my take on the last of us part two. Um, but I, I am such a sucker for naughty dog games. I, I really think that Nobody makes games the way that they do. Uh, e- even the like the people who try to make Naughty Dog style games cannot make Naughty Dog style games. You know what I mean? Uh, they they just don't end up working out the same. Um, I am a gigantic fan of, of that studio. Um, who who else do I like? Uh, I really like Square Enix. Uh, not only as a publisher, but as a as a dev. I, I think that. Um, their creative business unit three, uh, which is the team behind Final Fantasy fourteen, uh, and their creative business unit one, which I think is behind uh, sixteen. Um, now, I, I do need to preface this by saying I was not a fan of fifteen, and I, I think that uh, that was creative business unit one. Um, so you know, take that with a grain of salt. But they have. They have games that really speak to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I'm going to say it right now just so uh, so I can get it out there for everyone. Um, I like Kojima Productions. I like Death Stranding. I think that those games are unique and, um, at the very least, they're interesting. Uh, may not be you know, game of the year type material for some people, but at the very, very least, they are interesting games. Yeah, I, I, Death Stranding to me is one of those, like, if somebody ever had to tell me, like, what's the weirdest thing in video games that you've seen, I'd probably point all of my fingers to them, you know, to that game, and, and to say, like, it works, you know, like, it's, it's a full product that actually works it's it's high you know high quality and it is one of the weirdest things i've ever seen it is so unique i will say that it is very very unique um 
There is one that I think you've mentioned before, um, but you didn't mention now. The fine makers of one control. Ah, yes, yes. Remedy is in the same vein, uh, arena as Kojima Productions. I nobody makes a remedy game like a remedy game. They're same. I mean, they're the same way as Naughty Dog, right? People have tried, but like Remedy makes their own almost genre <laughs> uh, that I adore. Uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of Remedy and and everything that they uh, they do. Um, I can't wait for Alan Wake 2. I am so excited for that game. Like I just want more from Control. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> oh, man, Control is the X-Files that I th- wish came out like years and years and years ago that we'd have more like extended universe behind. But um, mm-hmm. here's a big question, though. I, I think, and, and this is something that I think you, you alluded to it before, like, I don't really play this type of game, but when something like this comes out, I get excited. And, you know, I, I've joked in the past on about this show and your two co-hosts having very, very narrow appeal for one type of RPG made from Game Freak. Um, And I joke about that, because I know they both really do enjoy other games. In fact, I was shocked when Austin was like, yeah, one of the Dark Dark Souls games is like one of my favorite games. And I was like, but there's no Japanese high school in that. I don't understand. (laughs) Right. But, um... What... Are there any games that have dragged you out of your comfort zone as of late? Like, if there's something that, you know, you, you sort of given something a shot and maybe walked away from it saying, wow, that was that was something unique and, and I enjoyed it, or even just walking away from it saying, like, you know, that, that really wasn't in my wheelhouse, but I'm glad I tried it. Anything that, that sort of pulled you out of your comfort zone or, or just even in the past, something that's done that before? Yeah, uh, I mean, relatively recently, for sure, it's uh, been Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, I... I don't want to say I'm notorious because, you know, I don't think that that's the correct word, but like I'm kind of notorious for my uh, dislike, I guess, of uh, MMOs. I, I think that most of them are kind of boring. They don't necessarily particularly have stories that uh, I care about, you know, um, but uh, I know that a lot of other people love those games. Uh, it's just never been a genre that has spoken to me directly. Um, but Final Fantasy XIV is uh, some of the most fun I've had playing a game all year. Um, it's just, it is something that um, uh, I, I was not expecting, for sure. I, I thought I'd play it and be like, okay, this is a uh, decent, uh, like, I don't want to say fan-made, but like, this is a decent thing for for people who like chocobos. It's very love letter. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I was going to say, Jeffrey was about to grind an axe when you said MMOs were boring and bland, but then you redeemed yourself. You really did redeem yourself. Yeah. Uh, I, again, they're for people. They're just not for me. Uh, right. I, I, you know what? 
I'm going to get on a tangent for just a second. The reason that people like Skyrim is the same reason that they like MMOs. Boring quests that don't go anywhere and are literally it's just, hey, find this fucking flower for me. <laughs> like, I, I fucking cannot stand Skyrim. I really can't. It's one of those games that I don't understand how it was so acclaimed at the time that it was. And I feel like every MMO I've ever played is the same sort of fundamentally boring design that that game has. The the way I would describe, and and I feel this way about almost all of Bethesda's, like, first-person RPGs, all of those, like, you know, everybody that's always high on those games, the way I would describe a lot of them is dead behind the eyes. Like, there there's... There's no magic. I feel that there's no um, significance or impact that those games have unless you are essentially just a madman in those worlds, right? Like, if you're a psychopath, that world is perfect. But something like... I, I, the first one I ever played was Fallout 4, and people were so high on that, on that game. And um, actually, now that I realize it, it's... Fallout New Vegas, that was Austin's favorite. So when he listens to this, or if he listens to this, he can then scream and then get to this point and be like, oh, okay. And so he remembers. Um, but yeah, like Fallout 4, I mean, you you walk out of that chamber and you're missing your son. And there's all of these things to do. And people are like, hey, uh, you want to help me recreate baseball? Like oh yeah, I could probably put looking after looking for my son on hold for a second and and do this. Like oh, do you want to go and um, check out these guys who wear all these metal suits and fly around in airships? Like you know, my son's just only going to get older and possibly die, so I might as well just check all of this stuff out. Like it's just it's a world for a psychopath, and and I just I always <laughs> felt that like after that I just felt like I don't think these games are relatively good. Not to mention, like, you know, the person who's just, like, walking into a wall or, like, upside down or just flying or all the broken stuff that's in those games. But, um, yeah, I, I feel you on that. I, I really do. Yeah. I, I don't want to make it sound like I think those games are bad. Uh, they're just... They're not for me, and there are design elements that I think um, keep those games from being as good as they should be. Uh, like I, I, I don't know. So, with that in mind, I mean, what what makes a game complete to you? Like, what makes a complete experience for a game for you? How do you view, how do you view something like this in its totality? Uh, I mean, it's hard, right? Uh, I, movies, I think there are a better grasp on because, like, there is not an interactive element to movies. I mean, there are certain like Bandersnatch, you know, from a couple years ago, or uh, some of those newer things that Netflix is trying out, but um, I. I think that um, I, I, I think that putting my finger down on what makes a video game complete is going to be different from game to game. 
uh, because it really depends on the genre. It depends on, you know, what exactly it is that they're trying to say. Uh, but I, I think ultimately what it comes down to, what will make it complete is if the gameplay and story that they're trying to tell, or maybe not even necessarily story because, you know, racing games or, or you know, sports games or stuff like that don't necessarily have stories. Uh, but as a general rule, um, as long as the gameplay syncs with the story that you're trying to tell, that makes that game good and complete in my eyes. Uh, so the reason that, say, The Last of Us doesn't work for me is because it doesn't give you agency in the areas that it's trying to tell you that you should have agency in. Like, you can have me kill a billion people and it'd be fine with me because I'm playing it in, in the game, right? But the minute that you tell me, like, you have to kill these people or, or what have you... And then it's like, you want me to feel bad about it. I'm like, you ripped the decision away from me. I, w- I can't feel bad about something that you made me do. I know that that's a maybe weird way to look at it, but that's the big, big problem with The Last of Us 2's narrative. It's not that it's trying to tell a story about revenge that we've heard a million times before. Um, it's about the fact that you didn't let me play things but then you wanted me to consider like having agency in it but I didn't have agency so what are you trying to say um yeah so as long as as the mechanics of your game and the story of your game sync up uh I I think uh 100% it's uh complete and um good yeah. So with that, so with that in mind, then how do you critique games? Like, what aspects do you find yourself coming back to, or commenting on the most? Because I know you sort of gave a little bit of that in in your answer with like The Last of Us. Like, okay, the agency aspect, or like some of these things aren't lining up. But like, how how does that inform your critique? Like, does does this impact so much of the game, or your thoughts around a game? Or even your recommendations on it. Like, what What are your thoughts on critique? Uh, if I'm being honest with you, I kind of think that gaming critiques and stuff of that nature have gotten boring. Um, like, a lot of people don't actually critique games anymore. They critique what they wish games were, and that's really annoying to me. Because um, you have to take what it is, not what you wish it was as your basis. Um, and it, I don't know. It again, it depends on, uh, I think from game to game. Um, like if I'm playing like a gameplay driven game, I'm going to judge it more on gameplay. Like Mario, as much as those games have tried to have stories here in the recent, like, uh, I guess recent past would be the best way to, to say that. But um, they have stories, but you're not playing a Mario game for the story unless it's like Super Mario RPG, right? Um, Dude, come on. I mean, there's a princess. 
you have to save her. That's <laughs> yeah. the story. That's it. What do you need? Right. Yeah. Uh, but like, if I'm playing a Naughty Dog game, I'm I'm judging it on whether or not the the story and and the mechanics and stuff like that meet because that's what the game is. Um. So it really kind of depends on um, like the genre or the type of game that I'm playing, whether or not uh, I'm kind of like going into a, a very honest and well, n- not honest. That's a, that's a poor phrasing, uh, but a very, I guess, in-depth um, reading on, on video games and the like. That's awesome. So, we t- we talked about franchises in the movie realm, which we, you can get those answers before if you listen to this thing in its totality. If you're jumping around, that's weird. But <laughs> video games do rely on franchises and sequels a lot. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest offenders at this point, like you, how many Assassin's Creed games are there? Oh, and Lord. how many do I actually care about that don't have Ezio in them? But how do you feel about sequels versus something brand new, like new IP? What what aspects of creativity should developers and publishers be tapping into when they make their IP? Like, or how do they make their IP essentially fresh? Even again, even if it's from a sequel perspective or from something completely new. Uh, I mean, I, I think the the same thing applies uh, for me in my views on video games as it does on movies. I don't think that you need to rely strictly on franchises in order to sell games. I think that that's a bad business practice. Um, I I think that where you here's the thing: in the last uh, again like twenty ish years, video games have become incredibly uh, like big as part of the as part of the culture right like you're not gonna um find uh like you're not gonna find dudes in their basement being the only ones playing video games anymore like that's just not how the genre or not genre but the medium works nowadays it's it's everyone's playing games like your your mom is playing games you're you're uh, your little sister you who's, <laughs> who's seven is playing video games. You know what I mean? Like it's not just a, a niche thing anymore. And uh, because of that, you don't need to rely on genres, get stuff out there that like wouldn't have sold 15 or 20 years ago. It'll sell now. Like if, if you make it there, well, if there's an audience for it, it will sell. And I, think that there is an audience for almost every type of game that's out there right now like there 20 years ago might not have been an audience for control but there is one now you know what i mean there's an audience for people who like triangles and people who like strategies exactly exactly square enix has got you on that i mean well that's like the funny thing is like that's a great example because if you look at Final Fantasy Tactics, like that game ages like wine, right? Like it just oh, gets so. better every year. But n- 
everything about it artistically, it's not like it's not the highest resolution. It's not the most, you know, the 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 most polygonal faced person. You know, it's it's very of its time and it's very of a of a style. Like the aesthetic is what it is. And so many are trying to copy that and put out games to to pay homage or to essentially try to capture a lot of what made that game special. But like something like Triangle Strategy, where a lot of the art is very similar. I will most likely play that game and I'm sure it will wind up on a top 10 list for, you know, people on this site or or elsewhere or my own. But man, like that evokes something so special about one game from so long ago. And I'm still to this day talking about how good that is and how other people chasing it are just not, you know, either they're not capturing what made that game special or they're trying too hard or, or whatever. I, I can't say too much on triangle strategy cause I haven't played anything past a little bit of the demo and I am impressed, but man, like talk about, talk about chasing something that, that was so prolific so many years ago. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> uh, I can't, I can't wait to beat Elden Ring and, and get my hands on that. Yeah. Game. I was just going to say, I can't wait for Aloy to, finally figure out what she needs to do to make the world a better place so I can save someone else's three kingdoms. <laughs> so last, the, the last topic here before we, before we depart, and this was really fun, but gaming trends moving fast and loose these days. So many different genres are becoming popular. Like you said, franchises are pivoting audiences are 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 really inundated with so much content on the gaming landscape are there any trends that you think will persist or any that you think will die off and and which ones would you want to see which ones would you want to see um pop up more and more as as gaming as gaming evolves um, I don't know that necessarily I, I, I want to see any trends go forward or continue. Cause I think, you know, fads are fads. Like they're, they're here for a second and then they're gone type thing. Um, I don't know of anything that I particularly would want to stick around. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't. I'm just off the top of my head. I, I, I can't think of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, are you, said, are, would you want like, cause I know like obviously Fortnite is the biggest thing in the world, but like, I, I wouldn't want to pit. I wouldn't want to see a lot of developers or publishers just pivot into sort of battle Royale or some of these giant live service games but i know a lot are you know i i i'm a little bit more on the the side of give me the immersive world where i'm in it but not everyone is dead behind the eyes um give me that kind of world yeah uh i mean i i think 
that that is the one thing that I I do think that I I want to see. Uh, I don't want to say die, but I I would definitely like to see uh, battle royales go away. Uh, I know that they are for a lot of people. They are not for me. Um, that's not to say that they aren't. They don't have their place or or what have you. But uh, I I do not want every single game to have a battle royale mode. I do not want every single game to feel like it has to have a battle royale mode uh, because there is more to gaming than just you know Fortnite or Destiny or um, I mean what's another battle royale or, well maybe not battle royale Apex but, Legends like, live service, Warzone yeah. yeah here's a question for you as someone who enjoys a lot of the narrative of video games how do you feel about the agency of being able to choose the dialogue that you want to, that you want to go forward with and and not necessarily just choosing a dialogue wheel just to learn more about a certain thing but like in a mass effect setting where what you say matters or or in a um the walk uh the walking dead where what you say matters and people understand or or even more recently um guardians of the galaxy had a lot of those dialogue choices. What are your thoughts on that? Do, do you do you have strong opinions about sort of the way you can shape the narrative? Uh, I would like to see a game where your decisions in those dialogue boxes actually matter. Uh, if, if we're being honest, I don't think that they ever really do. Uh, I think that it's all a, a facade of uh, choice and agency. When it comes to that sort of stuff, I don't think that your um, choices in those aspects actually affect the overall like story or, or ending or anything like that 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 the game is telling you. Um, I could be totally wrong in that. You know, a lot of other people might um, totally disagree with me, but I haven't seen a game let me actually choose something in a really long time. Like I I think about, I I go back to mass effect and that trilogy and I was there in 2000 and what seven when they were talking about how everything was going to carry over and all of your decisions will matter and blah, blah, blah. And you get to the finale of that game or that series and your choices don't, matter they don't you get to choose between three different endings that all end with the world essentially ending um i don't think that's necessarily bad but i i do think that like again i'll go back to the last of us don't tell me that i have agency or or you know that's maybe a bad example uh but like don't tell me i have agency and then rip the agency away from me you know what I mean? Or, or, or I guess the way to, to put it, the, the way I, I was thinking of it for The Last of Us is like, or, or don't set a double standard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you said, Ellie is searching after this one person who she blames and, and wants to exact revenge on, but all of the other people that she slits their throats along the way like 
they're just fodder, you know, (laughs) like they're, like they're just think of them as like woodland creatures that just needed to get put down. They were rabid. They had to get put down. Yeah. I, you know, my, my thoughts on the, the whole dialogue thing I think is, I always feel like I'm missing something. Like, I always feel like, first off, I always feel like I picked the wrong one, but if I don't, if I pick the wrong one, then that means I have to go back and pick the right one or see what the conversation could have been because somebody acted this, you know, somebody voice acted this, somebody, um, some artist designed it, you know, like you want to see all of that stuff. So I always feel like I'm missing something, but that's just a pet peeve. Uh, I am 100% with you on that. Well, what do you think, Josh? You think this was a good one? Yeah. I, I do. I this was fun. I, do, I think it was really good. And not because I hosted it. I, I think that's the only reason that you think that it was well, I, that's the Well, now you said it, so it's definitely true. <laughs> but before we wrap up, any last closing comments that you want to just... Let us know anything that you have to say, movie, game-wise, anything that you want to just wrap up with before uh, before we close out. Uh, no, no. I think I think I said pretty much all that I needed or wanted to say. Play play uh, games, just, watch movies. Yeah, uh, that's literally what I was about to say. <laughs> just play games and watch movies. They're good. It's a pretty good, times. pretty good, pretty good mantra. Anything that you watched recently that you want to just give a shout out to? We know you're playing Elden Ring. Uh, yeah, I'm playing Elden Ring. The game is, uh, it is something else. What a fucking great game! Um, I credit George R. R. Martin for all the work that he did making that game so good. I am convinced that this dude actually didn't work on this game at all. I had, I have not seen one thing that I have been like, oh my god, this is totally George R. R. Martin, um, which is fine, you know, whatever. Uh, but um, yeah, um, Elden Ring, very good game, very good game. Uh, I'm trying to think of what all I've been watching recently. Uh, Righteous Gemstones just ended. Uh, that. Or season two just ended, I should say. That show is unbelievable. It is so funny, uh, like insanely funny, um, and uh, really good, really, really good. I was howling. Yeah, I was howling at the end. Oh man, what a show! I so the one I would say, if you know, horror wise, I would give it a shot. Um, it's into its third season. The episodes aren't long. They're only 30 minutes. Uh, Servant, I still think is still pretty good. It's on Apple TV Plus. We tried Severance. Um, Peacemaker, I I mean, Peacemaker, I think it was amazing. And as a, as someone who worked in the city, in New York City, um, the Gilded Age actually is pretty good. It's kind of funny to see like 1800s New York. Um that that show is pretty good. But yeah, that's that's some other other good ones to throw out there. 
So, I will attempt to do the thing that you do at the end. And now that I, sometimes I listen to this show, like, at higher speeds, so it sounds like, you sound like the Micro Machines guy sometimes. Um, But, as always, if you want to find more or learn more about Culture Bop Hunting Pixels or the Culture Bop family of content... Feel free to go to culture. Is it culture underscore bop on Instagram? Uh, uh, yes, 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 yes. That is culture cool. underscore bop on Instagram. You can find the show Hunting Pixels on most. Uh, I I think it's uh I think that's right. I think it's on most. I don't know that it's on all because I don't think we put it on like. Amazon Prime Music because I don't know. Yeah, because that's bullshit. That. Um, also, if you're listening to this, you don't gotten... need to find it. You already found it. Yeah, that's true. But okay. definitely follow the show, uh, Culture underscore Bob. Josh, you are at the Bebop Man. Uh, yeah, on pretty much everything. Okay, so that's that's Instagram, Twitter, and your Twitch handle is still that too. Yeah, I think uh, Twitter. I'm like at the Bebopman182 on Instagram. I'm at Bebopman182, and on Twitch, I'm just the underscore Bebopman. Awesome. Am I missing anything else? Oh yeah, that's right. I am missing something. There's a Patreon. There is a Patreon, and you can find you can find Culture Bob on Patreon. At, let's see, what is it? It is just at uh, CultureBot, right? Patreon.com slash CultureBot. Patreon.com slash CultureBot. It may seem like I am unprepared, because I am unprepared. And you can join, there are a number, there are a number, I am really good at this, so you shut the fuck up. Um, (laughs) You could join, there are a number of different levels to join at. Uh, the community is fantastic. As somebody who frequents their Discord, uh, the boys of the Bop are usually in there commenting, um, having a f- having fun, chatting it up. It's a really great, fun community. Everybody is very um, very nice to each other. Everybody's very uh, very civil. So it is very yeah, good. It's kind of weird. Yeah, we're all you know. Some people are annoying, like me posting about financial stuff constantly but you know hey video games are also a business so that's my thing that is true. but if you want to join feel free to check out patreon.com slash culture to check out all the cool tiers all the cool perks that you can get with that and you can join the discord from there hop in say hello uh converse make some new friends make some awesome friends and have a really good time. Yeah. Gen- general merriment all around. Yeah. Unless you're playing Elden Ring. Unless you're playing Elden Ring. In which case, you're pretty sad all the time. It's not, yeah, no. Have I told you that this game maybe has made me depressed? <laughs> yeah, that's that's fucked up. Uh, it's good stuff, man. But like, like, like clinically depressed? Maybe I don't know. Like just I, I like just, because you're just seeing death constantly. Uh, 
may be that. I don't know. I just, uh, all, all I do know is that I've been playing this game pretty much nonstop since it came out. And, uh, for the last week or so, I've just been in a uh, terrible, terrible funk. So, so yeah, that's fun. Uh, that's, uh, hot damn. Well, hey, that's FromSoft, right? That is FromSoft. They just make if you, depressing, <laughs> depressing games. Anybody, like, if you think about it, like, why would you ever want to live in, like, Yarnum or the world of Elden Ring or, like, Blight Tent? Like, what would draw somebody to be like, yeah, this is a good spot to settle? You're right. <laughs> oh, I always thought about that with Gotham, too. Like... Like, oh, like, I just graduated college. What are you going to do? Like, oh, I got a job in um, accounting, and I'm moving to Gotham. Like, people would be like, why? Like, every other week there's another, like, reservoir being poisoned with, like, laughing gas or, like, crime sprees. Apparently the cops are just inept. Like Completely inept. They leave everything to just, like, some dude in a cape to beat everybody up and and even if you jaywalk that guy might just show up and just kick your ass might just show up and knock your ass out oh boy but i guess that's where you know gotham's where the money may is get gets made i don't know chasing that wayne money i guess so oh man well, all right well this was this is exhausting at this point i'm i'm just <laughs> i can't Thanks again, Josh, for taking the time to tell everybody about who you are and what you like. And more of these will come. We'll do these with the other co-hosts soon. And uh, I guess that's it. Yeah, that's it. 